Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you. I will fight for you. And I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you. Because this is a wild ride. 
nothing but unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega. Show. This is Rory Sodder, your host as always. I missed you guys since last night. We had a great show. It was absolutely fantastic. We had a lot of dress. We had so many special guests on. It was um, a great time. I want to thank every uh, guest from last night. I want to thank my audience. Jesus Christ, we're now getting our uh, podcast and radio show downloaded in 14 countries. Can you believe that? 14 fucking countries. Amazing. This is incredible. I'm very appreciative. It's moving way, uh, my show's moving way quicker than I ever anticipated. Um, I do want to thank my ad, my sponsors. I want to thank my co-hosts who are on right now, Josh Halavate and Valerie Greenfeld. Um, glad to have you on. And I do have one of my thank special God. guests on for tonight, right now. Um, I do want to introduce him. He is an amazing individual. He's a good friend of mine national security expert, medical science expert, political strategist, New York Times best-selling author, and entrepreneur, the famous Michael Doherty, everybody. He is on the air. Yeah, my mother's my sending you candy. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. My mother's sending you a whole <laughs> bunch of chocolates. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, real real quick, we're about to have our next special guest, and we're, this is going to get into a huge conversation. This is going to get great. Um, here we are. I do want to introduce my other special guest, Peter Schweitzer's co-author and business partner, Government Accountability Institute researcher, political activist, lobbyist, New York Times bestselling author and entrepreneur, uh, uh, Seamus Bruner. How are you, buddy? I'm well, Rory. How are you? Uh, Doing well. It's great to have you on. Uh, We have Michael Doherty on as well, who uh, you've been on shows with uh, on other shows as well as when he first came on my show, uh, Michael Doherty was on as well, so I'm sure you know him pretty well. Of course. Good to be both with, back with both of you gentlemen. 
absolutely. Yeah, so Shanky's and I, we, we, always, uh, we always pass, like, two shifts a night. I think we overlap by, like, three minutes all the time. So this is the first time <laughs> we sort of are riding the boat together. It's good to uh, get to know them. Yeah, right, I love this. Right. And, and, you know, and, Michael, what, you know, uh, it's Michael, you've been following all the corruption very closely, and I really want to get into this. Um, first of all, I, I want to, you know, talk to Seamus. Let, let's talk about this whole security clearances for these individuals like John Brennan, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, how they get rich off of what they are doing and how it's a big problem and how we all know Trump is getting ready to uh, get rid of more security clearances so these people can't take advantage of our government and um, our, you know, just our, our system. I mean, this is ridiculous. Once you leave the White House, there should be no more uh, any sort of business in the government. You should be a citizen, and that's it. But I, I saw your piece, and I loved it, and you explained it perfectly. Please tell the audience. Right, right. So what we're talking about, Rory, it's, it's called the revolving door. Sadly, it's a very familiar story. We all know about how uh, officials weave in and out of the government and uh, go take top jobs at uh, contractors. And, of course, there's nothing wrong with capitalism, but really what we're talking about is crony capitalism. And right. uh, you mentioned my piece uh, in the New York Post. Uh, yep. It's about security clearances and how those can earn you up, upwards of 15% for the exact same position, 15% higher salary. And uh, this isn't just a few numbers. This isn't a small number of people. This is over 4 million people in the private sector who still hold security clearances. And, you know, some of those are warranted. Some of those are valid. You know, you need to, we need our defense contractors to have clear eyes on the situation. But when you talk about people like James Comey, John Brennan, James Clapper, uh, we're really talking about cronyism. And so as I lay yeah. out in the book, I'll, I'll just lay out the facts. James Comey was worth just $200,000 when he left the DOJ in 2005, went to the now private sector. Now he's worth a few million, let me guess. Yeah, well, tens of millions possibly. He, uh, he got over 160,000 shares of Lockheed Martin, and these are not cheap shares. When he was given a lot of these shares, they were about $60 apiece. By 2009, when he uh, filed his last report at Lockheed Martin, he had 160000 It was over $80 a share. So that's upwards of $30 million. Well, today, Lockheed Martin shares trade over $300, closer to $350 per share. So we're talking about tens of millions of dollars. question is, why aren't they on his financial disclosures? Did he sell them? And if so, where did all those millions go? Yeah, and I, and I really, you know, you make you you make the greatest points, and you know exactly what you're talking about, and this is a big problem, and we're seeing this all the time, people taking advantage of the government. And I do want to say, you know, in case people don't know, you are very close, and you work your business partners and co-authors with Peter Schweitzer, who wrote the famous book Clinton Cash. Um, I think that's what it was called. Was that in 2014? I believe. Uh, the book came out in 2015, April, April 2015. Okay. I, I remember it well. And, uh, yeah, the, it was really the big story out of Clinton cash was the Uranium One scandal and how Hillary yep. Clinton conveniently took 
uh, $500,000 from a Kremlin-backed bank directly into the Clintons' pocket. And this was done by proxy through her husband for a so-called speech, by the way, Jesus. Vladimir Putin thanked Bill Clinton for. But also $145 million made its way to the Clinton Foundation from investors in the uranium company that the Russians purchased. So it was a huge scandal. It uh, was reported on the front page of the New York Times by Pulitzer Prize winner Joe Becker. She's a serious investigator who's nonpartisan. If anything, maybe leans uh, a little to the left. She did a big Pulitzer piece on Dick Cheney. But, yeah, so the Uranium One scandal, Just I would love to tell you a little bit about that. My book, Compromise, the Chapter 2, is entirely dedicated to Uranium Please tell One. everybody the name of your book. Give a little plug real quick so everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. The name of the book is called Compromise, How Money and Politics Drive FBI Corruption. And, of course, everybody knows about the political bias at the FBI. But what no one really seems to be talking about is the massive sums of money the top officials at the FBI and the DOJ have made. And the reason Uranium One plays into all of this is, first of all, who was at the FBI when Uranium One was purchased in 2010? Well, that would be Robert Mueller. And as Chapter 2 lays out, Robert Mueller had intimate knowledge of simultaneous, multiple simultaneous bribery, extortion, money laundering, and espionage schemes involving Russian assets infiltrating the United States. Some of that money, of course, went to Hillary Clinton, but there's, there's other money that went to other players. There's more, more Russian agents, uh, and it's really, it's really a big scandal. We, we don't know anything more about it than we did two years ago. It was really time for the DOJ to start answering our questions. And uh, the biggest bombshell, I would say, of the book, I mean, there's all the money to James Comey, the millions, the millions to Robert Mueller from clients who he's now working with on his witch hunt against Trump. But the biggest bombshell in the book is Hillary Clinton had an advisor at the State Department, a man named Ted Kassinger, and he was – simultaneously on the Russians' payroll, or at least, I mean, I, we're not sure if he was working pro bono or getting paid, but either or, neither is a good answer. Um, he was working for the Russian nuclear company while he advised Clinton's State Department. So it's really shocking stuff. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you, 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 yeah, you cut, it is, and you cut out, did, did you cut out for a second? Is it just me, or did everybody hear that? On the line. I I heard it. It's just you, you crazy man. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Something something on my end cut out for one second. Like I literally missed like five seconds. But no, Seamus. And, and, and I'm correcting. I, I'm pronouncing your name right, Seamus. Correct. Correct. Okay, excellent. I just want to make sure. Yeah, man. I mean, you totally put this into perspective. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean. And, and the fact that the liberal mainstream media uh, laughs at this stuff and says, oh, ha-ha, just another conspiracy theory by the Republicans, and they don't take it seriously, and the evidence is visible, it's right there. I mean, it's not like it's a fucking it's a rocket scientist to figure this one out, like in terms of they're guilty. I mean, but people want to ignore your kind of books because they don't want to face the fucking music. I mean, this is the truth right here. 
Yeah, no, when the, when the Uranium One scandal broke because of Clinton Cash in 2015, the, the media, uh, they should have stayed silent, but they didn't. And they endlessly parroted the exact same talking point. And that talking point was Hillary is just one, Hillary State Department is just one of nine agencies. She couldn't yep. possibly have approved this deal all on her own. Well, that may have, they may have thought that was a good talking point during the campaign on the quest to Queen Hillary, but they, you know, when in fact it really damns the entire Obama administration. Like, what? Because just because one wrong doesn't make it right, what nine wrongs do? So, right, nine agencies from Obama, you know, of Obama's agencies approve the deal. That's absolutely right. They do have that part right. The problem is they didn't seem to realize that it wasn't just the State Department who was conflicted. Certainly Hillary mm-hmm. took, I would say, the most money from players connected to the Uranium One deal. Yeah. But there were nine other agencies, and in this book, Compromise, Chapter 2, goes into the Uranium One scandal. We found that no fewer than seven of Obama's nine agencies had various ties to Uranium One, and five of them had outright potential conflicts. You've got the Department of Justice. They knew of simultaneous bribery and espionage schemes going on, and they didn't say anything about it. They approved the deal. You have the Department of Energy, the top guy there making CFIUS decisions, uh, a man named Daniel Poneman. Well, he went to go cash in with the very sister company of Uranium One who profits from Russian uranium deals. He now makes $1.7 million as the CEO of a company called the United States Enrichment Corp. They're the biggest contractor with the Russian nuclear agency. So on and on and on, you've got all of these players in the Obama administration making money and selling out some of our most secure assets. It's really, really unbelievable and infuriating. Did you say it was the enrichment? Did you say that the name of the organization has got enrichment in it? The name of so it's the United States Enrichment Corp, and it's really why you need to, you know, everyone needs to read Chapter Two because I go into the full history of the Uranium One deal, and it didn't just start in 2010 under Obama. It actually, of course, started under the Clinton administration, President Bill Clinton, and a deal called the Megatons to Megawatt deal, where the United States set up a corporation called the United States Enrichment Corporation. And they purchased Russian nuclear uh, bombs, essentially, the the highly enriched uranium that was in all of the Russian nukes. And, of course, they found a way to spin it, as the Clintons often do. And this is all about nuclear disarmament and making the world a safer place. But, of course, with the Clintons, it's always about the money. So they set up this United States Enrichment Corporation in the mid-'90s. That company starts purchasing nuclear, highly enriched uranium from the Russians, and that leads us actually through tw- – that deal lasted until 2013. Well, right around 2010, that's when the Russians started to realize, wow, like this is going to conclude. We're not going to make any more money. We really need to corner the U.S. uranium market and get a you know serious piece of the action or else we're going to lose all- out on revenues. And that's why they decided to purchase Uranium One. It was explicitly as shown in the WikiLeaks documents that Rosatom, the Russian nuclear agency, was targeting the U.S. nuclear sector. And they knew this before 2010. So the idea that this just kind of slipped by and, oh, whoops, none of us were paying attention. How did the Russians buy it? No, they were making money off the deal. And this is Vladimir Putin. This is, you know, 
the guys we now are calling, you know, crying, you know, wolf about, well, it rings hollow because they didn't seem to care when Hillary and Obama's cronies were selling out the uranium in 2010. All right. And, you know, real quick, real quick, Jordy, I know you want to respond, but I just want to say this is such a double standard, and it all goes to show what the Democrats do. They blame other people for what they're guilty of. Trump has nothing to do with Russia, but they're putting it on Trump because they know they're guilty. They know that the Democrats have colluded with Russia, not Trump or the Republicans. I mean, this is ridiculous. And imagine if this it's, was it's a, a Republican. Yes, Solinsky's playbook. Radi- uh, uh, you know, uh, rules for rules, radicals. Rules, rules for, for radicals. radicals. Yeah, go ahead, Joseph Jordan. Goebbels, the the, Rush, the, uh, the Nazi propaganda minister. They both they both have been quoted as saying, you know, accuse your enemy of that which you're guilty. It causes confusion. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <clears throat> go ahead, All right, so, Michael. Michael, what were you going to say? Yeah, I want to. I want to. I, I want to pick, you, pick up on the WikiLeaks thing because because obviously, if you've noticed, are you noticing the complete silencing of Julian Assange? And so, what you've got is, and and why do you think they've turned on him? I mean, the entire left thought Julian was for them until they saw that he wasn't for anybody except for the truth and for things coming out and letting the chips fall where they may. And so he is the foundation of, of cracking the deep state. Uh, and, and he is protected as, as, as a reporter. And, and, and don't think the deep state and, – and, and we're seeing with Mueller, we're seeing that the, the intelligence community in the United States thinks they run the country. And so this is such a threat to the intelligence community, and you're also seeing the people that are fleecing the country, the Clintonistas, the whole thing. So in hindsight, it's 2020. Do you notice now how, how he's been absolutely silenced and abandoned by the media, and they won't yeah. talk to him because they, they blame him for Hillary losing and all this coming out and for Trump winning. So ironically, where we're at here is uh, – Trump is Julian's best friend and Julian's Trump's best friend. And in some way, somehow, you know, the intelligence, and this is where Mike Pompeo and, and Trump's got to, Mike Pompeo's got to get that he is not helping the president by, by wanting, uh, you know, a Julian's head on a spike. They want, yeah. you know, they, 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 they do you notice how everyone's turning uh, and just turning the First Amendment on, on its head? They, they don't, they don't, you know, if they really had the nerve to take him to court, they're going to want to put him in a private courtroom. They're not going to want it to be public. They're not going to want to address the First Amendment. They're not going to want the public to see it. Who, who, who's just getting nailed on the First Amendment today? The, the, the guy from the National Enquirer. I mean, Trump's big mistake is who he surrounds himself with. Because, you know, but but the First Amendment's the First Amendment, and the National Enquirer is deciding to to not fight for the First Amendment. Immunity. The National Enquirer immunity. The guy that's the head of the National Enquirer right. couldn't believe that today. So this is this this is the great thing about that book, Clinton Cash. Uh, because it was one of the early salvos, and we're, and and these are all pieces of a jigsaw puzzle, and so that's yeah. why I mean, Seamus, I love when you bring up WikiLeaks because if you think they're not going to go to the death to keep just stop that stuff, they've got him locked up in that that basic prison with a no due process now for years. 
you know, he can only live so long and live under these conditions. Now he's at a precipice. He's really at a a tipping point of will he come here or not. And I'll tell you what rides on this, this, this election, boy, if this, if this house turns over, uh, we have a huge problem. If it stays red, uh, Katie barred the door because the ship will really turn. And and if he wins the presidency in the second term, you know, Julian Assange, it's got the keys to the kingdom. I'm t- I, I just believe that. And uh, because just look at how, how the ducks quack. Yeah, absolutely. Seamus, yeah. I want you to respond. Seamus, I want you to respond to that. Um, but Josh and, and Valerie, I want to get your thoughts real quick. Uh, let me let me let me respond real quick, Rory, because I got I got to jump, but uh, we'll definitely have a conversation again soon. So those are all Seamus, Seamus but I want you to respond, but I also know my co-hosts have a few questions for you. If you can stick around for another five minutes or so, I know you're a busy guy. Okay, okay. Go ahead, Josh. Sounds good. Go ahead. But yeah, no, but, but no, explain what you a... were saying. Oh, oh, Josh, Josh, go ahead. Well, yeah, I just had a kind of a, a quick question that may, you know, will offer you a, an opportunity then to, to say something else. You know, especially with WikiLeaks um, and everything that they've kind of done, period, and obviously, um, you know, just exposing exposing the truth more than anything, not really picking sides. Where, where did the switch really start? Was it at Hillary Clinton where the liberals all of a sudden started to hate them, or was it something before that was less publicized? Well, uh, I, I would say it's—I mean—it's the media who who disseminate the the talking points, and the talking points flow down downhill, of course. But um, I, I would say they flipped uh, because of the targeting of Hillary Clinton, just like James Comey. I mean, remember James Comey is a Republican, a longtime Republican, just like Robert Mueller. Uh, but somehow these guys are now darlings of the left. Uh, right. They, they hated. Comey a week before the election, James Comey made a public announcement that Hillary Clinton's email investigation was back open. And you can find beautiful articles from people who now celebrate James Comey as a hero, but where they were all calling him a crook, they were calling for him to be fired. Uh, It it really all depends on if the person is aligned with Hillary or uh, her apparatus. You know... Josh, if you if you have anything to respond to that, I do have something quick to say. Let's not forget that even though these guys call themselves Republicans and the left wants to say, well, James Comey and Robert Mueller are Republicans, you know, they're, 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 there's no bias there. They're not after Trump. They're on, his, they're on his team. I mean, that's stupid. I'm sick and tired of hearing that crap. Yeah. Right, Valerie. Did, uh, Valerie, do you have any points before I, I just gotta I gotta jump off? Yeah, Valerie, call, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, really quick, really quick. I'm just, you know, as you're as I hear about Clinton Cash and all the research that you did, and all this crooked, twisted um, facts that that you've uncovered. You know, nobody's talking about these things. Everybody's talking yeah. about Trump, who didn't do anything. So on the one hand, we've got you know all kinds of crazy. Uh, stuff that that we that you can prove, and nobody's doing anything about it. And then we've got nothing over here with Trump, and that's all we talk about. And it just seems really messed up. I mean, we should be doing. I think the Republicans need to actually do something about all of these facts that you've uncovered, instead of letting the media just continue to 
harp on Trump when there's nothing there. Right. No, you're absolutely right, Valerie. And uh, it, it, you, you see it with every, every two weeks or so. It's like kind of something else. And, of course, now it's Michael Cohen and Paul Manafort. Uh, they don't care about Stormy Daniels. They don't care about the payments. They don't care about Paul Manafort's decades-old lobbying problems. They just want to impeach Trump. It's, I mean, it's pretty much obvious. I mean, if he says just the wrong word, there's new, fresh cries for impeachment. So it's, it's a kind of telling, and uh, it's, it's, I would blame the media for really whipping people into a frenzy. I mean, if you look at the economy, you look at basically any measure of success in this country, it's doing better than it's ever done. I mean, just two headlines yep. I saw today, uh, the, uh, the Target CEO, who, by the way, you, I mean, you're, everybody knows the Target CEO is – uh, super lefty, um, you know, yeah. with the uh, the bathrooms and all of these things. Um, he was saying this is the greatest consumer confidence he's ever seen in his entire life. And so the, every right. metric of the economy is great. There's no reason to be upset. Look at the bull market, upset. highest so, bull market we've ever seen. Yeah, like how many how many straight weeks, like 32 something or some some absurd number of straight weeks of growing economy so and these are the things that really matter to people at home so it, it comes to the me it comes down from the media um i don't think most americans agree with the media i think the polls are fake just like they were uh during the yep. election when you know you have the new york times saying hillary's got a 99 percent chance of victory we know that was a joke so <laughs> I, I would really recommend people turn off their I tv like, and what, I, I laugh like right that poll came out literally two days before the election. I was laughing because I was like, I knew when Trump announced that one, that the day he announced, walked down that escalator, this guy's going to be the next president. Yes, yes. Sorry, I'm getting a call. I've got to run, but I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for your time and listening to me. Absolutely. Tell everybody where they can find your book. Yeah, thanks, Rory. It's uh, Compromised, How Money and Politics Drive FBI Corruption, and you can find it on Amazon or go to www.compromisedfbibook.com, and you can watch videos. Uh, I, I just was on Sean Hannity, so be on the lookout for that clip, and uh, it was a good segment. So thank you, thank you again, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, and I know you're a busy guy. I'll, I'll get you back on next week. We'll talk more. Cheers. Have Sounds a good night. Good. You too. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Take care. Sean Bruner, Seamus Bruner, everybody. Wow. Very insightful. Um, Doherty, we're going to be getting into deep conversations here. First of all, Doherty, um, I do want to play this clip um, for everyone, and I want to get into deep conversation. Um, Trump saying in an interview, you know, just – I mean, everything he does is magic. I mean, listen to this. Ainsley got an exclusive interview with the president of the United States yesterday. And, you know, over the last uh, month or so, one of the things that has really rankled the press is the fact that he has referred to the press as the enemy of the people. Yeah, we asked him about that yesterday. And here's his response on that. And we asked him to grade himself. Watch. Love this guy. The press. Is the press the enemy of the people? No, not at all. But the fake news is. And the fake news is comprised of, it's a lot, it's a big chunk, okay? Somebody said, what's the chunk? I said, 80%? It's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, if I do something well, it's not reported. Other than in yep. the 20%. I mean, the New York Times, 
cannot write a good story about me. They're crazed. Nope. They're like lunatics. Uh, <laughs> if I do something well, I often joke, I'll do some great thing. Like meeting with Kim Jong-un. That was a great success. Hey, they've been working on this for so many years, and they got nothing. I just got, I just left, what, three months ago or less? I left Singapore. You've had no missile shot. You've had a rocket shot. You have no nuclear testing, and we got back our hostages. And I have a good relationship with them. You know, we have a good chemistry <laughs> together. I don't know if that's good or bad. We have a good chemistry. I, I spoke with Prime Minister Abe of Japan this morning. He started the call by saying, I want to thank you for the great job that you've done with North Korea. He said, we haven't had missiles shot over Japan in so long. He said, the people of Japan feel safe. And Mr. President, I want to thank you for the great job you've done with North Korea. They don't feel that hostility. Mm. When I took over, President Obama thought would have to go to war with North Korea. And I asked him, did you ever speak to Kim Jong-un? No. I said, wouldn't it be maybe a good thing to give it a shot? And if you remember, the only thing they got me on, they said, uh, he spoke. He met. Look, I didn't give him anything. I gave him nothing except sanctions. Okay? We were, you know, very heavy sanctions on North Korea. We actually put some more on yesterday mm -hmm. because we'd like it to move faster. But we have a good relationship. But I didn't give him anything. And I'll never forget, you talk about the fake news. They said, Donald Trump met. The first day it was incredible. Nobody could believe I was able to do it. Obama couldn't get a meeting. Clinton couldn't get a meeting. Bush couldn't get a meeting, you know, with the family. Right. Bush couldn't get a meeting. Nobody could get a meeting. And this one's tougher than the father. I say that with respect. But he's tougher than the father and tougher than the grandfather. They couldn't even get a meeting. I got a meeting. So the first day it was like unbelievable. Even fake news CNN said it was unbelievable. Then it, about you know five or six hours went by and they had to get their narrative straight. And they said, very interesting, Donald Trump agreed to meet. I meet. And that was supposed to be like a loss. It was a great success. My meeting with Putin was a tremendous success. I got killed by the fake news. They wanted me to go up and punch him in the face. I said, I want to get along with Russia. I want to get along with everybody. They said I was too rough on North Korea. Remember that? Too rough. But with Putin, they said I was too soft. My, my meeting with Putin was a tremendous success, including Syria, Ukraine. And if you look at Crimea, that was given away by President Obama. It has nothing to do with me. Nobody wants to mention that. So we've had tremendous success. And just to finish, NATO, I raised hundreds of billions of dollars from these countries that weren't paying. They were delinquent. They weren't paying their bills. The press doesn't like to talk about that. The press talks about the fact that I insulted a lot of the leaders because I was strong on the fact that they had to pay. I said, no, the United States is not going to be paying your bills. With that, I'm having a good time. John, he is the greatest thing on the face of this earth. I, America's savior, I mean, this guy is the second coming. Trump is the second coming. Trump is a miracle worker. He's in a, a profound machine is what I call him, something we've never, ever seen before. This guy was made by God uh, as a special gift. Um, but Doherty, I want yeah. to get your response. Okay, well, Rory, I, I just think you need to put a condom on when you talk like that. But 
Because I, I, I just I can't bring myself to be so happy with anybody anytime. But but I'm glad, I'm glad you're so in it for him. I mean, I from the huh? No, I was laughing. No. I thought I think you're hilarious. <laughs> so I the thing that I laugh at is that he is all he's doing is being this character that drives them crazy. And he's laughing his head off because he just drives them crazy. He's coming across <laughs> as self-aggrandizing, narcissistic. He's doing all the talking. He's taking all the air out of the room. Ansley's just sitting there. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Now, and the only reason that I am so big on Trump right now is if mm-hmm. I had not spent the last five years in D.C., I probably would be like the masses, but I'll tell you, these people deserve what they're getting. I mean, they, you know, they deserve the the taunting, the disrespect, the mockery, the exposure. I mean, what people don't understand and what I didn't understand, and I learned by sitting on the 50-yard line and then being on the field fighting Washington, is Democrats plus Republicans – do not equal the total number of bureaucrats there. The, the, the culture, the seeped-in parasitic culture of people that are not elected to that power in this country uh, and is, is unbelievable. And they're, they're neither parties. They're bureaucrats. And then they're connected to the media. And the media sells America down the road because the media wants story that they can write and sell. But when it comes to story that exposes corruption or exposes any type of thing that, go, that, that would upset the government, they don't report it because there's a clamp down on on access to story if you do that. And now that story is just profit, you know, we're so let down by people. And this is why I go back to WikiLeaks, is everyone's talking about WikiLeaks and all this stuff, but you got notice right now the media is throttling down WikiLeaks. Twitter's throttling down. We, it's amazing but what they're doing. Look what they're doing to Alex Jones, too. Yes, but Alex Jones is not, Alex Jones is a First Amendment issue, uh, and that's true because it's just. But it's just a First Amendment issue. Alex Jones doesn't have the keys to the kingdom and hasn't had hackers from all over the world hand over information to him like Assange has. And they oh, want to get after. I agree with you. I, I agree with you. It's like apples and oranges. Like Assange but is you on have a whole to look level at, than Alex Jones. Do you want to rip this? If you want to rip the curtain back and expose the Wizard of Oz for who he is, you gotta hope that they don't break Assange because they will go after him. And they and it's hard for them to get their hands on him because first they try it with the rape charges, you know. Now yeah. they'll try it by taking away that he's a he's that he's a media guy, and you know does the I mean. Look at the juror comment in the Manafort trial. She wasn't fooled by a damn thing. Yep. She, he violated the law. He had to go to jail. 
It should have been just an IRS investigation, but they weaponized justice. She knows it's a witch hunt. She knows yep. they whistled past the graveyard and everything else. They're trying to do the same thing to, to Julian Assange. And this is why it's so important that Trump gets to his second term where he can let it rip, because these people yeah. are just playing mafia rules. And what's first, what's, you know, it's first to our knowledge does not mean this is the first to happen. This has been going on. Right. This has been building for a century. It's been building for a century, and I'm sure the 60s, 70s, or 80 and 80s all have corruption just building to this just fever pitch we have right now. But believe me, it didn't start with Bill Clinton. No, and absolutely, and and we're going to continue on this topic. Uh, I do want to welcome our next guest, though. Um, I'm very excited to have you on, economics expert, public policy analysis, writer for Town Hall, writer for Newsmax, LiveZet and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey, Dr. Michael Bussler. How are you, sir? I'm well, Rory. How are you doing? It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have, great to have you on, Michael. And you're all up to date with what's current. I mean, you're not only an economics expert, but you're a political expert. I mean, you're always – you and I talk. You're always caught up on what's going yep. on. Um, but, but Doherty, getting, getting back to this, this is scary shit, man. I mean, the double standard um, <laughs> that the left gets to get away with. Imagine if it was a Republican that was doing all this stuff that Clinton was doing or Comey was doing or Mueller was doing. So, I, mean, this is, yeah. this is, I mean, this is crazy. I don't think it's the left getting away with it. I think the left is being fooled more than anyone. The left would be just as outraged. This, is, this again, is the bureaucracy. And I, I keep telling this. It's like this is not Democrat nor Republican. If you... I mean, it's divide and conquer. I mean, the intelligence community has so much power, and the bureaucracy has so much power, and and they 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 they, they sort of uh, what's the word diffuse the populace by splitting them up, and, uh, and and it's interesting when the light bulbs start going off. The light bulb went off on the right. And, 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 and someone needed the light bulb has got to go off on the left. There, and this is I'd like to hear what Mike has to say about this, actually, because, I mean, to me, the left knowing now and seeing the game of the powers in the left, not the left populist, not, but the left that, that controls the strings from Pelosi to Schumer to the deep state. I mean, these, you know, these they're just being just played for fools like you've never seen before. I, I just, you know, did you just see like the San Francisco poop removers get 150 grand a year? Did you see that news yesterday? I mean, it's a third it's just, world fucking, it's a third world fucking country. In San and you Francisco. just wonder how many, how many frying pans over the heads can take it for these people to wake up to just being mocked for dollars and power. But I, I don't know. That's, I, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't really like to, I don't like to say left versus right a lot because right. um, that, that sort of plays into the hands. Go ahead. We, and and you know think, what Mike? we need to do? You know what we need to do, Doherty, is, you know, we need to come together. It's not going to happen because obviously what the Democrat agenda is, is opposed to Republican, anything they do, anything they say, uh, resist, resist, resist. I mean, this is not the 80s or 90s anymore where we can have bipartisan agreements, unfortunately, sadly, like we used to, where we could do what, in a sense, what was right for the people. Oh, um, so what? I mean, you know, so we'll move forward, right? I mean, we move forward, right. and it's, 
It's a different time, but that's okay. I want to tell all these kids. Remember Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill? I mean, they they got along great. Yeah, well, I'm sure it was an imperfect thing back then as well. I mean, I'd rather have – I'd rather have – look, the administrative state and the deep state all was operating fine back then as well. It just wasn't as big. It's such a tipping point. But at some point we had to put our foot down, and things weren't as bad because there wasn't as much abuse. Absolutely. Josh, I want to get your thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, something you guys were talking about that triggered a a thought I'd been having today was, uh, I can't remember if it was you, Rory, that said it, but just talking about how um, pretty much everybody in the quote-unquote deep state is extremely liberal. You know, most of these people in the FBI, CAA, they're they're incredibly liberal. And I was kind of thinking the reason that that was, so I'm in college classes right now, and there's a lady in my class who – this is like her fourth major she's going for. She's going for a business major now. I don't remember what the other ones are, but they're not business. And she's the most liberal person I've probably ever seen in my little rural school of Ohio. There's not a whole lot of liberals. And I was thinking about how, what someone like this thinks, you know, why are they still being educated when they've already gotten a degree? But it's kind of the once these people get into this college system and they don't go for something like business, congregate with other liberal type people and now the funny thing is with this my teacher is it's a business law class and he's from what i can tell not a liberal because every time she brings up her liberal bs she she and the, the professor challenges her it's like the first time she's ever been challenged on these insane liberal ideas she's having so it's a very interesting thing and especially with the election of trump these people, these liberal people in the FBI, CIA, this is the first time that they've ever really been challenged. You know, even the people that go back and were hired during the Bush administration, Bush didn't like. It, it, Trump is unpredictable, unlike any president that has been in my lifetime. I'm only 20 years old, but you know, the 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 unpredictability has them absolutely scrounging, and this is the reason why they're pursuing him so heavily. Yeah, I mean, you make a great point. And uh, Valerie, I want to get your thoughts. And then I'm going to go to Michael. Sure, thank you. Um, I think a lot of these issues all hinge on this uh, the upcoming election, especially in the House. If we lose the House, I think all this stuff just goes down the drain because all they're going to talk about is impeaching Trump. And I just, I'm nervous about this election because I think all of this stuff that we've been talking about for the last week even is hinges on that election. And the kind of people that are now running, it's just, it's scary. It, it is. It is. And, and you look at how left and how socialist it's gone. And, you know, uh, Dr. Dr. Bustler, I'm going to call you, because we have Michael Doherty and we have Michael Bustler on the phone. We have two mics on the phone. So I'm going to say, Dr. Bustler, you're an economics expert, but you're also up to date with all the political stuff going on. I want to get your thoughts on this, and then we'll get into economics. I have a, lot more, I have a couple more questions for Doherty. We have stuff to get into, but I want, I want to get your thoughts, uh, Dr. Bustler. Well, I, I think Valerie just brought up a, a extremely good point. Um, this midterm election is very critical, and it is critical that uh, the Republicans hang on to the House as well as the Senate. I personally think they'll be able to do that. Um, I'm still optimistic uh, that uh, when people get into the voting booth, the, the primary concern, no matter what anybody says in the media, 
Um, the primary concern uh, people have, I think, when uh, finally getting in that voting booth and pulling the lever, the, the primary concern is really uh, how are they uh, themselves, both economically and from a security standpoint. And I think there are so many people that are much better off economically uh, today than they were even two years ago or a year and three quarters, year and a half before uh, Trump took office that I think when people get in there, despite uh, what the media may say, I think when people get in there, they're going to say, you know, things are heading in the right direction and I don't want to uh, do anything that will derail this. So I think when the votes are finally taken, I still think the Republicans will hang on. And Valerie's right. It's critical. If the Democrats uh, do get control of the House, they'll start impeachment proceedings. There is really no uh, reason uh, for Trump to be impeached. There's nothing that he's done that's really illegal uh, to warrant impeachment. But nonetheless, I think the Democrats will try to do that. It'll probably end up the way uh, Clinton's impeachment went. Um, uh, Right. The Democrats will probably vote in the House to impeach. It'll get to the Senate. You need two-thirds of majority, which I don't think they have any chance of of getting. So Trump, Trump stays in in, in office, but having gone gone through the impeachment process and technically been impeached by the, the House, I think that's going to make things uh, difficult for him into the future. And it's important that um, we not only do well in this election, but um, I think if the Republicans uh, do well, I think Trump's on his way to winning again in 2020. And as yeah. already said, um, after that, he's uh, going to have a little more leeway to do things, and I think he'll really. Uh, get the swamp drained and get the economy and the, the country uh, back on track. I think we'll have all these trade deals um, yep. resolved. And I think Americans will finally remember what economic prosperity feels like and stop being so yep. mad at each other and fighting with each other um, because we've had such a, a slow growth economy with uh, such little opportunity, many people. I think that's what breeds a lot of the anger that, that we have today. Once prosperity re- returns, I think people are going to start to feel good, and maybe we can get things done on a bipartisan basis. Yeah, uh, Doherty, please respond. I do have a few questions for you, Doherty. And Doherty, I want you to please. I know you have to go in a second, but I want I you to factor all another, of what he I, Real quick, I got real another, quick, I I got another show. You. So you got, I got another show I'm booking. So you got to you got to do the bullet point speed thing, which I, which you're really terrible at. <laughs> no, I'm doing it right now. I'm doing it right now. But, well, but we're put, totally put, we're no, okay. On. So now me with the question. Dory, listen to me. Dory, listen okay. to me for one second. Put this all Go. together. What what Doctor Bustler just said. I want you to put Paul Manafort, Michael Cohen, all into this mix about a possible impeachment. I want to know your thoughts, how you think this is going to go down. Go. Okay. I love the one. If everyone saw the juror last night, look, I'm, I'm praying that, that the public is like the juror, that she understands that, wow, when you're put, when someone like Manafort's put in front of you and he's guilty, he's got to be guilty, but you're not fooled by what's going on here, that she knows that there's a selective – this is we we have left liberty and justice for all. They have dropped off. It is the most vile abuse, and that doesn't mean there shouldn't be any accountability for Manafort. But we are not being fooled by Mueller and Comey 
and the intelligence community. And they are, they are also violating without any accountability. And the way you hold them accountable is you show up and you support Trump and, because this is not an election for a pope. These are not innocent people. And the fact that they turned a sudden moralist, I mean, I thank God, unfortunately, that we have the story of Clinton and Monica Lewinsky so we can diffuse uh, what, what, what Donald Trump did. Because uh, I hate to tell you, sure, I'd love an ethical guy that was an entrepreneur, that was a, bi- a billionaire, that never, that never uh, had, you know, had these sexual predicts. But, but it's not my biggest problem, believe me, compared to the sins that these people do. And, you know, so it, it's I'm glad that people see it. And I'm hoping we're having a a bigger a bigger rerun of 2016 with the polls saying how close they are, because these people are so arrogant and they've had so much power for so long. They are there. They will think that 16 was a fluke. And they and and, and, and so the next six weeks are going to be hell as far as hyperbole and drama and accusations and trash and and you know and 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 honestly the way that the way the media goes the Manafort story could be over within a week and and so let's um you know it's all back on I hope I hope the polls are still rigged and people better show up Republicans better get out okay that's my speech absolutely Absolutely. And in your thought, you think you don't think it's ever going to lead to impeachment. I mean, I never think it's going to get to that point. No. What are your I thoughts? It leads to impeachment. It, it will not lead to impeachment if it's in. I mean, I do care. But uh, what you think he listen, he thinks big. He thinks long. And every time every the thing about Trump is every time you challenge him, that's like putting gasoline on his fire. He eats right. it up. He eats right. it up. He loves it. Yeah, I mean, he, he and he just and keeps he outraging them and outraging them and outraging them. And and there and the public has to see how selective they. Are. You can't have selective justice. You can't have selective morality. You can't have select. I mean, these people are vicious, and and uh, you can't have selective freedom of speech. You know, and that's what we're seeing. And we have to watch what they do and not listen to what they say and uh, pray that we don't have as many fools in this country at the polls as we did in 2012. Exactly. Is it just me, uh, Doherty, or are the Democrats always leading in the polls usually just to suppress the voting? Well, I, don't, I, I mean, I, I don't. I think it's the pollsters and the media and the establishment, uh, because there's a there's a psychology in elections and in politics of that the undecideds are are swayed by who they think are going to win. So there's a strategy if you're in the bag. And gosh, I just don't think NBC is not in the bag, or you know, the big network polled. Give me a break. Uh, it, there's a strategy that you, that you get the undecideds by by letting them think they're going to vote for a winner if they vote Democrat. But it is a pretty much an echo chamber. It's going to be fascinating. You know, it's going to be – this is why I go back to Assange and go back to the data and go back to the facts, okay? It's like there's only a couple people that have all the stuff – that can t- that can rip the mask off these people that are fleecing the country, and we're learning the intelligence community thinks they run America, and certain presidential candidates, left and right, 
buy into to to working with them to maintain power as one big moving forward team. And Trump has come in and crashed that and look at the vicious stuff they've gone against him. I mean it's just it's it's survival war. These are these are big time tough, tough, tough people. And it's a war and one of the strategies of war is to just divide and conquer your enemy, and they want to isolate Trump. They want to defuse him, and then they want to survive him because they don't think there's going to be more of him. And it's it's an unbelievable uh, thing. And I was like, if he wins his second term, Katie, bar the door. <laughs> it's going to be – you want to talk about popcorn and beer? I'll live for that. It'll be the best time of my life. So Well, <laughs> according to polls – uh, he's uh, winning uh, largely, bigly uh, against all his comp- opponents combined, uh, according to a new poll y- yesterday from Washington Examiner. Um, so th- this guy, Trump, is pretty much leading the way, and it's pretty much a cakewalk at this point for him to be reelected. Which, you know, I, I and, right. and there's no way. And here's the thing, Doherty, before you go. They, oh, the media, yeah, before you go, they've been trying to get to him forever. They've been trying to defeat Trump, but Trump is 100 steps ahead of these people. Trump knows how to play them. He's been playing them for all these years. He's loved the media attention. He knows how to work it. He's been on TV many times. He has his own show. He knows all about the industry. He knows the facts. Right? Damn right. <laughs> you catch me with chicken in my mouth, so I didn't think you were going to stop so soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that was a great summary. What can I say? I mean, right. I mean, but, you know, we just got to let it play out. We just got to watch, watch what people do, don't listen to what they say, and we'll all be fine. And now, okay. I've got to go. Thank you very much. Right. Right. I went over nine Michael minutes. Doherty, Michael go. Doherty, your book. Promote your book. Promote your book. Oh, the devil inside the beltway. Amazon, audiobook, ebook, hardcover, softcover, and the website's the same, thedevilinsidethebeltway.com. Excellent. Always a pleasure, Michael Doherty, my All good right. friend. All right, of the show. We'll talk, talk to you next okay. week, buddy. All right, bye. <clears throat> All right, let's get back. Let's get back to business, uh, Doctor Doctor Michael Bussler. Um, hey, I R- want to know. Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, go, go ahead. You you go ahead. I was I was going to ask what you think of this big bull market. I mean, this is the biggest bull market we've ever seen, and this was a huge announcement yesterday, yeah. and it just continues. Get your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, the bull market technically has continued uh, since uh, 2009. They they will say the bull market's over when the stock market drops. 20% in, in value. Uh, and of course that hasn't happened since the, the bull market started. However, in 2011, the market dropped almost 20%. It was 19.8%. So technically they said it, it wasn't uh, a drop. So yes, it's true. The market's gone uh, on a, a run on a record number of, of months, but there was sort of a downturn in there in 2011. But having said all that, I still continue to think that the stock market is is heading up, and there's still plenty of room to go on the upside. Now, why do I say that? 
um, when an investor, when somebody goes to buy a share of stock, what you're willing to pay for it depends on um, your perception of how profitable the company will be in the future. So if you think company profits are going to go up, earnings per share will go up, the stock of the, the price of the stock is going to go up, you're willing to pay more for a share. If you think the market, the economy is going to go into a recession and profits are going to go down, and you say, well, look, I'm not willing to pay much for the, the stock because earnings are going to go down, so typically stock prices would go down. Because corporate earnings are up so much this year, and just because Trump cut the tax rate from an average of 35% down to 21%, that alone will increase corporate profits more than 20% this year without adding the, the growth. Now, you add the growth into that, and corporate profits are going to go up even, even more. Additionally, because uh, corporate profits are doing so well, and he cut taxes, Trump cut taxes for everybody, including the wealthy, um, the wealthy and corporations have more bis uh, capital to invest to expand the economy. Business investment the first six months of this year is up over 9% higher than it was last year. So I'm very optimistic about uh, economic growth. I'm optimistic about corporate profits, and that means I'm optimistic about the stock market continuing to go up maybe for another two or three years. There's a lot of variables in there, but right what now that's okay. What do you predict for GDP? Right now it's at 4.1. What do you predict predict for next quarter? I'm predicting about 4.6% yeah. next quarter. Yeah, 4.5 4. is the number I've been putting I've been putting out um for for some time now. The uh 4.1 number, you'll get the second estimate uh at the end of next week. Um now there's some indications that the estimate may be a little higher than the 4.1. Um Wow. We'll have to see. But I think we're going to hit a 4.5 this quarter. The, that estimate comes out the uh, last Friday in October, which is 10 days before the election. Now, if it comes out at 4.5%, as I, I think it will, then you'll have two quarters over 4%, and you can see the economy building. It's going to be tough for the Democrats to try to um, – spin that in a negative way, um, having only 10 days until the election. The last 4.1 number, uh, they tried to spin in a negative way, <clears throat> saying, well, uh, a lot of uh, farmers are trying to beat Trump's tariffs, and that's really what caused the number to go up. <clears throat> Even if that was true, it, it had at but, most but let, real quick, a tenth real of a percent. Quick, uh, real yeah. quick, there was a report out about tariffs the other day on uh, Breibart, saying uh, it's helped uh, 20, like many businesses in so many ways, quadruple their earnings. So there's a lot of businesses right. profiting <clears throat> off tariffs, but I want you to go into tariffs. I mean, I want to know your overall thoughts. Are you happy with Trump's decision on it? I want you to kind of elaborate. I'm, I'm a free market economist. So you mentioned the word tariff or taxes, and my stomach starts to churn. Um, mo practically all economists will tell you that free trade benefits everybody. Com uh, countries specialize in what they do well so they can make a lot of it. What you can't do well, you trade with somebody else who, who can. So the concept of free trade benefits all, all of us. So 
but the trade has to be free and fair. So President Trump comes into office, takes a look at NAFTA with uh, the agreement with uh, which agreement with Canada and Mexico, agreements we had with the European Union, with China, separate agreements with Japan and South Korea. Every one of those trade agreements are um, skewed in favor of our partners and to the detriment of us. For instance, um, the Europeans make a car in Germany or Italy, sell it in the U.S. We charge them a two and a half percent tariff. We make a car in the U.S., sell it in Europe. They charge us a 10 percent tariff. China charges us a 25 percent tariff. So Trump said, look, um, this can't go on. I want to bring everybody to the table and let's get this resolved so it's fair. Well, our trading partners are not in any hurry to come to the table. Everything is in their favor. So Trump's now remember, Trump is not a politician. He's a business person. A politician would convene a summit in the fall, come back next spring with uh, some ideas. Then uh, we'll meet again later next year. And then before you know it, you kick the can down the road to the next president. That's what a politician does. uh, President Trump is a business person. When you have yeah. a problem that's affecting your pro- your bottom line, you must get to the problem immediately and solve it. Yeah. So what Trump is doing with these tariffs, and his goal right. is to have no tariffs on, on anything. But what right. he wants to do, and so what a business person would do if somebody doesn't want to negotiate with you, is you create a sense of urgency. So how does he do that? He puts these big tariffs on which are clobbering the Chinese economy. Um, right. And as a result of that, these people are going to come and talk with us. Already the European Union has been here, and they say, let's work towards zero tariffs. Mexico so just China. is in the China process of signing a deal. And I was just going to say, China's over here now. They're talking tough, but in another month or so, their economy is doing so poorly compared to what it's done yep. in, in the past and they're built on a lot of debt. So if they're not selling all their output to the U.S. and they can't sell it, they don't get revenue, they can't pay their debt, their, their interest, of, uh, interest payments on the debt, they're going to run into some, some problems. So you're going to see China uh, start to negotiate more earnestly. While there may be some short-term pain to some specific industries, in the long term, this will open up international markets for U.S. products that have been uh, shut all shut out, uh, we've been shut out in the past. China particularly doesn't let us sell anything over there. Uh, when what it does, we pay they charge ridiculous tariffs. That, that there's a billion people plus that live there, and it's a big market for the, the U.S. Trump says you have to be fair in the trade. While there is going to be some short-term pain, not much, but some. In the long term, this is going to be very positive for the U.S. Right, and let Dr. Dr. Butzler, and, and you're you know you're an economic, you're an economist, you're an economics professor, at, you know at a college, yeah. and you know uh, at from what I know, it's it's a liberal college for the most part, all overall, isn't it? Oh yes, almost all of them are these days. But yes, my university was originally started as a liberal arts college, and it still maintains that liberal arts. Um, view of things. Are you are you one of the very few conservative uh, professors there? Do you think? 
Yeah, I think we counted there were 330 professors, and I found, I think, three that were conservative. Jesus Christ. There may be more, but that's all I found so far. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I have to, um, you know, I'm I'm, uh, with my colleagues. I'm all on a very friendly basis with them, uh, you know, and we're very collegiate. Um, But when it comes to talking about philosophy of things, uh, we have much different views, and um, you know I get attacked uh, for the views I have, so I uh, you know I'm uh, very careful where I choose to fight my battles. Like 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 like, de- like detail you know de- kind of detail the attack. I mean is it is it kind of you know uh, the, you know because what us conservatives and let let's face the truth here, uh, Michael, uh, Doctor Buster. Um, you call that, me Michael now. <laughs> of course. What 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 us yeah. conservatives do is we listen. We want to have an open conversation. We don't exactly. want to fight with these. We don't want to fight with these people. We want to know where they're coming from because if we can all come together and you know somewhat, we're not gonna you know come to an agreement on all of our differences differences, but we can at least you know set some sort of guideline and standard and, and proper approach where we don't have to get in each other's faces and want to kill each other. It's getting a little nuts yeah. out there, and it, it's scaring the it, shit out of me, to be honest with you. Yeah, actually, it's getting um, a lot nuts out there. Um, and there's a, f- a few things. Uh, we have to go back, both sides, to putting the, the uh, needs of America first before you start considering the needs of the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. It's the goals that make America strong uh, is what, what we all should be focusing on. Um, instead yeah. of all this uh, uh, way things are being, uh, are being done today. Right, right, right. And, and going back to trade real quick, I want to get my co-host, yeah. jo- I want Josh and Valerie to respond. Sure. But, you know, talking about the uh, other countries with trade, Let's face it, Michael. These countries need us more than we need them, and they always have needed us. And that's the bottom line. And that's the bottom line. Yep. Yeah, that's right. They need us more than we we need them. And, look, they're putting tariffs on things like food, um, which is going to translate dollar for dollar into higher prices for their consumers. Trump is trying to put the tariffs on intermediate goods, steel and aluminum, and – that shouldn't have much as much an impact on finished goods. And also, we have the ability to produce our own steel and aluminum. China doesn't have the ability to produce our, their own food. So it's going to hurt them much more than it's going to hurt us. If we don't buy their, their things, their products, we can sort of work around it. If they don't buy from right. us, um, they're going to run into trouble. And if they don't sell to us and get the revenue, they're going to be in big trouble. Absolutely. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, I want to talk about trade deficits real quick because there seems to be a bit of confusion, um, you know, on both sides of the aisle as well as people within the either side of the aisle. So, uh, Michael, I just kind of wanted your, your take on yeah, yeah. the idea that there, there are some econom- you know, um, economics professors, including the one at my school, that deems trade deficits as not a bad thing. And the way that he uh, calculates that is, 
you know, like for instance, you have a trade deficit with the 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 restaurant that you like to go to as you know on the regular, but you know, and 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 your students at the school also have a trade deficit with you. You know, trade deficits are something that happens to each and every one of us, and it all works yep. itself out in the free market way. I you know when you know especially pro Trump people. Um, always bring up trade deficits as it's an, as if it's a negative thing when others would look at it as it's just something that happens in a free economy. I guess how would you like well, formulate here, that, an answer to that? Yeah, so so here, here's the thing. You're you're absolutely right that you you uh, are not going to have a, a trade surplus or even break even with with every country. Some countries you'll have a deficit. Some you should have a surplus. You mentioned the key phrase there. In a free market, it'll work itself out, and that's true. The market is only free if both sides play by the same rules. So the way it is now, they're not free markets because their tariffs are uh, different than our tariffs. If there were no tariffs on anything, what you said is exactly right. You don't have to worry about a deficit with any one country, and you don't even have to worry if you have a trade deficit over overall as long as you have a free market and the market is able to adjust and uh, each country has the the same rules because they don't have the same rules it's not a free market and that's why it's not adjusting and hasn't for decades so so i guess you would say that kind of the reason that we have the the problems would be because of other countries as well as america is also a mixed economy and not even a free economy within itself so I think I think we're in agreement agreement here. I guess a follow-up question to be: What can America do with its own economic system to fix help fix any of these problems, if anything? Yeah. Um, again, I'm a free market economist. So if you take a look at the times where the uh, U.S. had the best um, economic conditions, uh, it, it was. Uh, during the uh, 80s, the, the late 90s, for instance, it was at a time where the um, free enterprise system, the business businesses were free to pursue opportunities without government interference. When Reagan deregulated, like Trump is doing, deregulated um, a whole lot of things, cut people's taxes, and in 1984 in his State of the Union speech, he said, look, if you ever had an idea you wanted to do something, his exact words were, go for it. This is the time to do it. The government is out of the way. In 1996, the economy needed to be jump-started. President Clinton cut the capital gains tax from 28% to 20%. They balanced the revenue, tax revenue went up. They balanced the budget because they controlled spending and President Clinton's exact words were, the era of big government is over. So the greatest times, the times we had the greatest amount of growth is when we put um, free market systems to to work. And um, not like President Obama, whose top priorities were to cure perceived social injustices. In order to do that, he had to have the government control the health care system, the government tried to regulate more of the banking industry. The government put uh, restrictions on business so they didn't take advantage of consumers. So whenever you get government involved that much, the economy s- slows down. And it's no wonder that during Obama's 
uh, whole term in office. He's the only president, we talked about this before, to serve a term in office without having at least one year where the economy grew at at least a 3% rate. He averaged slightly over 2%. His best year was 2.6%, and he had government all over us. So get the government to back off, as Trump is starting to do. Let free enterprise go. Let people keep the money that they earned, which is what low taxes do, and you'll see the economy take off, which I think we're on the verge of doing right now. Good news. Josh, respond if you want. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess one, one last final question because I don't want to yep, you know, yep. hog, the, hog the whole yep, entire right. show here. But, um, you know, I, I, so one of the things I considered um, about, you know, the, a trade deficit is, there's there's a certain amount of power that comes with the trade deficit. And even though there are other countries, you know, putting unreasonable and almost unneeded tariffs on a certain American goods, considering cars, for instance, is a reason why there's no American-made cars over in Europe. I don't consider that necessarily a bad thing because when, you're, when, when you have a trade deficit with a country like China, they sell us a lot of stuff. If all we have to do as a consumer – in, uh, as a country is make the decision not to buy their product and all of a sudden yep. they're really screwed. Um, so Absolutely. Uh, is, there, is it wrong to say that there's a lot of power that also comes with having a quote unquote deficit? Well, there's a lot of power that comes with buying a lot of countries output. The deficit is a result, not from us buying from them. The deficit is a result that they won't buy from, from us. So, um, Again, if it's a free trade system, uh, you still could have a deficit, um, but overall, it will work itself out. The, the power comes from purchasing, as you stated, not so much from the deficit, but the purchases, the power rather comes from purchasing their output, and now Chinese factories are relying on U.S. purchases to stay in business. And you're right, again, um, Americans can... Uh, put a stop to Chinese business virtually overnight. In fact, Americans can put any corporation anywhere out of business virtually overnight by simply stop buying their uh, products. So you're right. The more we buy from, from China, the more power we have uh, to exert over China. I still would like to see them buy more from, from us. Gotcha. I, thanks for clearing that out. I think we're both in agreement <laughs> sure. here. I, I agree with everything you said, so I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well My said, pleasure. Josh. Valerie, go ahead, darling. I don't know. I found this quite interesting. I actually I agree with everything um, that you've said, and um, my my concern is really about um, you know the I know that it, within China for the last many years the um, the 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 money that they, they the 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 way that they do business. They have they right. have um, what do they call interlocking directorates. They have collu- not collusion, <laughs> but they, wow. they help out their they they help out their companies um, from the government, whereas we can't do that. Um, and right. so they're even though we're for free trade, they're producing products for a much cheaper way than we can. So. Um, right. It's not really a level playing field, regardless of the of the trade law. What well, well so so my response to to that is they make things so much cheaper than we do 
because they pay their workers on the average about a dollar an hour. And our average right. manufacturing workers make over $25 an, an hour. So they have a, a huge advantage. In fact, there's some products, they buy the raw materials from us, ship it halfway around the world to China, turn it into finished goods, ship it halfway around the world back to us, and still sell it to us cheaper than we can can make it, mostly because they have uh, very cheap labor. So the way the American economy will compete with that, when we bring manufacturing jobs back, they're not. it's not a labor-intensive manufacturing operation anymore. It's a capital-intensive, which means we don't have a lot of people on a, an assembly line with no investment in equipment, as they do in China. We have very few people on the assembly line with a big investment in capital goods, robots and things, that will enable us to make products uh, less expensive and be able to compete. There are some products we won't be able to compete, and frankly, if China can make them a lot cheaper than we can, let them make them. There are products that we can do better than the Chinese can do for themselves, and as long as we're free to sell those products in their market, the market will work itself, itself out. Um, the key, again, is to keep those uh, trade deals there. But I remember years Absolute. ago, the human go rights ahead, organizations would go after these companies that were doing business by paying, you know, by allowing their um, their employees to get paid, you know, like you said, pennies on the dollar. Um, but right. apparently this is no longer happening. Um, it's not affecting their brand anymore like it used to. I remember Levi Strauss used to do a lot of business in China, and they their brand was um, you know tarnished because of the human rights issues. Yeah, and in fact, so some of the not, factories no longer yeah, No, and some of the factories where they work, what we would refer to them as sweatshops. Uh, they're in yes. terrible conditions. The people work ten, twelve, fourteen hours a day. They get extremely low wages. Uh, they have no OSHA over there to make sure that they're in good working. Conditions, so business doesn't have to pay anything to you know to keep heat even or air conditioning or even clean clean air. Um, and there was a time when we we're starting to crack down on on that. Um, and there have been a number of uh, companies that have been caught. Levi Strauss, as you mentioned, is one of them. Have been caught working with these sweatshops, and it tarnishes their brand. You know, and people uh, may refrain from buying. Um, and there was a push years ago to say to American companies, listen, don't buy from uh, producers who have these hor horrible conditions. But anymore, um, I haven't heard too much talk about it. Um, now it's just uh, let's try to get it somewhere made as cheaply as possible, and you know nobody seems to care what the working conditions are. So it is still happening. It's just that, that human yes. rights um, organizations and the press are no longer discussing it. Yes. Wow. Right. And I don't know why that is, but it's just the way it is. <laughs> do, do, do you think that one of the reasons that, that, that you know, we, we don't have as much blowback for things like that is because of the 24-hour news cycle? You know, these things basically, uh, you know, come in the window and are out the door almost as quickly as we hear about it originally. Yeah, that coupled with, um, you know, there's so many other things that seem to be on people's minds these days that uh, maybe they don't have time to give much much attention to that. Yeah. Hmm. 
It's it's crazy. I don't know. I mean, it makes no sense to me because it makes no sense to me because you know you have all these women livers who will, you know the um, the march, you know the women after the 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 day after Trump was inaugurated, you know they're all about women's rights except when you talk about Muslims and the Muslim women (laughs) and and you know. And honor killings and SCM and all of these problems where women have no rights, nobody's standing up for that. Um, yeah. You know, and I find this this issue the same. You know, they, they all want to stand up for the, the underdog hypocrisy, and the, the worker and the labor union, and then they're not doing it. Yeah. Maybe, no. maybe Wait, they, you know, these labor unions have lost power. Well, and you know, Valerie, just to take your, just to take what you said a step further. I mean, how often, you know, did, did do we still and did we used to hear about the wage gap over and over and over again? You know, uh, and whether you know, I, I, I'm really, you know, <laughs> keep going, Josh. I'll let you continue, but I'm going to talk about that too. That's pissing me off well, I, because it's bullshit. You know, it's, just, it's, it's all about who's qualified for the job. I see a lot of women get a lot more positions than men, and I'm sick of this whole feminism bullshit. But keep going, Josh. Sorry. Yeah, and, and just to say something that will make you happy, Rory, you know, the no legitimate economist believes in the wage gap, first off. Uh, that was something right. spread uh, by, a, you know, a bogus article, and then Obama said it on TV, and it became a thing. But, you know, just to continue, if we want to talk about an actual wage gap, you know, there's plenty of actual wage gaps in the world, and those actual wage gaps are – what the wa- wages in America are versus virtually every other country per the dollar that they're paid for what the value of that currency is. America surpasses all of them from minimum to maximum. So, I mean, if we want to talk about wa- – but see, the thing is they can't use that for their political gain. Saying America has, has got it good doesn't help them. They just want to complain about America. See, the thing is you can't compare America to other countries because then you no. look stupid. You know, you're absolutely right. I mean, and you were you were on a good roll there. You're absolutely right, Josh. And I want Dr. <laughs> Bussler to respond to this, but let's face it, Dr. Bussler, you're an economist, you're an economics yeah. professor, and you know, the whole feminism movement is just a, an attention-seeking uh validation, uh selfish, ignorant uh movement that absolutely has no merit or value and makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. It's a bunch of entitlement slobs and unhygienic, smelly, <laughs> stinky creatures that are crawling around on wow. the street and sick of it. I know wow. I got detailed. I'm sorry, but, uh, yeah, you, you know, you know um, I'm very, I'm very specific. I'm not, I'm very unfiltered and I've said it many times. Yeah. But uh, let's face it, man. There, there's no, there's no wage gap. There's no inequality. There's none of this BS that they march through the fucking streets for. Let, let, let's really face the facts here. I've seen so many women get, you know, so many more jobs than men because of qualifications. It's not about gender. It's not about race. It's about what you're capable of, what your strengths are, what the requirement of the job is. That's it. Yeah, I, you know, disagree. That's... I, I disagree. I, I'd like to say that I think there is an equality problem because people don't treat me the same. Everyone picks on me, and I, I just don't think it's fair. <laughs> 
I think there should be a government agency to protect me. <laughs> I, just so, oh, I can't we're, sleep we're at sorry, night. I'm so delicate when I work. I just... Guys, it's don't take the money. It's 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 Mike from New York. I'm joking around. It's, it's, it's listen, Mike, 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 Mike from New York. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that in there. I know it's uh, I sound like Archie Bunker, but from my perspective, I own my own business. My wife and I own a restaurant, which we became. For those who don't know, Rory knows me. Uh, we became government contractors when 9/11 happened. We didn't plan on it. I didn't go into this with the attitude. I'm sorry. I I, I learned a, a serious lesson. You don't go into government contracting with the attitude that you're going to do the right thing and and make a difference. And and no, the way the government contract mm. is set up, you go in as a viper and you're in there to screw the government and you're going to do well. Um, <laughs> and if you if you are honest, and I've been doing it long enough now, if you are honest, they won't trust you and they will go after you. It's very hard to compete. Um, uh-huh. Now, what I've, what I've noticed is it's hard to find employees uh, in the civilian world to do what we do because of, well, even myself, even hiring kids. Say I want to hire somebody and I want to pay them. This is uh, ooh, back pre-Obama. I was paying $12 an hour to wash pots and pans. That's good money. Back then, that was really good money, $12 an hour. 2007, 2008. And now if you did well, I had guys that worked with me, had been with me two, three years, they were making $15 an hour working in the kitchen. That's decent money for them. Now, what they did was Obama changed a lot of stuff that the public never saw. And everybody could sit there and say, well, you know, the facts are and the numbers and we can compare with everything else. Our workforce is is lazy. The American kids, the youth, that's out there, and I'm about an hour north of New York City. I'm not in the middle of Wyoming or someplace out in the boonies. They don't want to work. I have a unit that would come to me and say, wait a minute, we're on the ranges. We're supposed to be back in the mess hall at 1700, at 5 o'clock. But now we're going to be stuck on the ranges till 8 o'clock. Okay, that'll delay my dinner till 8 o'clock. I have to go to my crew, and I have to say, guys, we have to stay longer. The soldiers want to eat at 8 o'clock. I can't do that. Oh, my God. I have, I'm supposed to go to a party tonight. I can't stay long. No, I can't. I, I, what are you talking about? You have... Is there anything about dedication, anything? What, what are you doing? What are you people, you're just going to leave and you have no idea what it, what it was like trying to coordinate with, with getting, getting civilians to work for you. So what I'd end up doing is hiring soldiers that were retired from the military or guys that were off duty to work for me because you couldn't find normal employees or anything else. Now, another thing, the regulations and the attitudes from the federal government, they've killed it. Yeah. And people see a little the smatterings of it here and there. I faced it firsthand with, uh, yeah. with Obama, where I had I complained to the GAO in 2009 about fraud and contracting, where I put in a bid, and people think, oh, you're a contractor, you're making millions. I put in a bid of my <laughs> wife and I, it was $13, $13, I think, per soldier per day. That would include three meals a day plus midnight meals. We don't get the money wow. that Burton gets in KBR. That's not a lot of money. But you figure adding it up when you're feeding, the highest I fed was 1,200 soldiers per meal. So now when we put in a bid for this, we didn't get the work. They gave it to a guy that was tied in, it was Obama days, 2009, tied in with the Democrats for 10000 more than what I bid. Now I complained. I said, this is fraud. 
And they said, absolutely right. You have to call the, down to Washington or something. The state didn't do anything about it. They called the GAO. The GAO told me, yes, you're right. It's fraud. You have to go to Chuck Schumer and Gillibrand and complain to them. God help me. I didn't want to, I didn't want to get in the middle of it, but I did. I met with Schumer's people twice. Within a week and a half, I had, federal agents at, I had federal agents at my door. They audited me. Huh. Damn it. Wow. Jesus. You know, Mike, Mike Peters Mike, from New quick. York. What a story. So yeah, Mike, I'll tell you what. Quick. When people love... start telling me, when people tell me Obama this, Obama that, what rings in my head is that attitude. You didn't build this. The government right. built yeah. this. I agree. Now, they have no idea what it takes and what makes this country run is small business. Shut down the OSHA, the son of a bitches and the EPA and the rest of the assholes that are out there with the regulations <laughs> and everything else. You've shackled, right, yeah. you've shackled small business. You've ruined. I know a painting company. The guy was in Newburgh, New York. It was, he had a ladder up. He had one guy that worked for him, and he had a ladder up, and he was painting the side of this building, and an OSHA inspector happened to be driving by. They fined that guy like $85,000 for what they found with an infraction. They put the guy out of business. He was a little painter. He had a pickup truck. He had a painting business. Put him out of business. Horrible. Horrible. But this is this is Horrible. the overregulation and everything that 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 I know from Obama. Now Trump is coming in, and they're doing away with it, and the liberals are right. freaking out, freaking out. <laughs> what are they doing? Oh my God! There's going to be coal. Everybody's going to be burning coal. The world's going to come to an end. <laughs> but I'll tell you what: all of that's translated into what jobs, companies. I know one guy, a friend of mine, who owns a furniture company. Yeah, he went down to the. He went down to the Carolinas, and he opened up as soon as Trump got elected, and he saw what was going up. He built another a huge addition, and tripled the size of his factory down in the Carolinas, and hired a whole bunch more people. And he said, "Mike, it's unbelievable. The attitudes, even with the labor, down here." It's, yeah. He said, "When I get the attention, and we opened up the building, first thing we did was we had a flag raising ceremony, and every employee came out, and we said the pledge of allegiance." He said, "It's a different world than New York, than New York and California." Because they've forgotten what this country is. So, yeah, it's a risk. I'm sure there's some liberal listening to me going, oh, this guy's Archie Bunker and everything else. They have no clue. They've never dealt with the government. They've never paid taxes like we are. They've never run a business. They don't know anything about it. If they unshackled business, you got rid of some of these the laws and rules that they have that shackle the business and stop them, then we wouldn't have this shit going over to China and everything else and Mexico and everybody. It would be here. It would be here. Go to find, I had something I needed nickel plated. I'm, I'm outside of New York City. I mean, how hard can that be? I got an address someplace in the Midwest. They told me, mail it over there. You can't find anybody around here. Doing anybody does plating. There are chemicals involved. The EPA, and they've ruined it. They've ruined it. I've got an auto body shop here in town. They told me EPA came in and made them put another filtration system for the system that they already put in two years ago for redundancy. He said it cost me another $30,000. And then they wonder what happens with small business and with regulations and what happened to the economy. They don't want to, And then they came out with New York with that thing with the minimum wage. We're going to make everybody's going to make $15 an hour working or whatever it is. <laughs> and McDonald's and everything. And, that, we'll take a and look now, at the real quick, I don't want to interrupt your rant because I love what you're saying, but the $15 an hour thing for the Democrats just went down the drain because now they're getting automatic checkout systems at fast food restaurants so they don't have to pay their $15 an hour to employees. I was going to say it. You know what? These idiots, they're dreamers. Since they have no clue of how business works or anything else, 
They think they're going to go to the private sector and they're going to say, we're going to mandate that you do this. Oh, yeah, guess what the corporations are going to do? Screw you. Hire less employees because they can't or they don't want to pay for it. Yeah. Exactly. And then, then the government sits back and they go, well, what happened? What do you mean what happened? You can't. You're not a dictator. You're not going to tell me how to run my business. <laughs> you know what they told yeah, me hey, two know. weeks after they, after they investigated me? Now, this is interesting. I got a phone call and said, dear Ms., uh, Mr. By the way, Simons, this is uncensored, so name. if you have to swear in a sentence, go ahead. Feel free, Mike Peters. All right. <laughs> All right, thanks. The guy, the guy said to me, uh, uh, so, uh, Mr. So-and-so? I said, yes. And he said, well, this is so-and-so from the, they were, came from the Department of Labor. That's where they, they hit me from. And he said, uh, we've decided that you and your wife are no longer of interest to us. I said, really? They said, yes. But if you, but, now, listen to this. I swear to God, they drop me dead right now. He said, but if you expand your business, you will become of interest to us. I said, you're threatening me. He said, no, we're not. No, that's not a threat. I said, there's no other way to take that. You're threatening me. I'll tell you what. Under this administration with Obama, I will do nothing to expand my business. No, that's not our intent. You're misunderstanding. No, I understand perfectly. You made yourself clear. I said, I'll tell you what. It sucks to be you because they're using <laughs> you as a tool. They're using you as a tool against me, the small that's business great. Man. And I said, I feel bad for you to be manipulated like this. And you think you have a job and they're just using you as a tool. I said, I'm sorry for that for you. I feel bad for you. Well, I never heard from them again. They never came back. But so when people talk to me about business and economy, you know, Trump's doing the right thing. They can hate him all they want. He's letting business loose. He's getting the the, the corporations out of the government eyes. Cutting all these regulations. The regulations they killed us. They killed us. You know, you know, Mike. If I can. If I can just add something here, uh, as much as I analyze numbers and look at statistics and reach all kinds of conclusions, um, the things that I've been saying are, are nearly identical real, to what Mike quick, from New, quick, New York Dr. just Buster, said, and there's how it works. Real quick. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Buster, real quick before you continue, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the businesses in New York have the same sort of, under the Obama administration, have the same sort of strict regulations as New Jersey, where you are. Am I correct in a way? Yeah. Um, I think New York might be a little worse, but maybe not a whole lot, especially uh, New Jersey has all that coastline. So the EPA is all over us here. It got to the point where uh, Obama had given the EPA so much power that literally, if you had a big puddle of water in your backyard and you wanted to do any building, you had to get EPA approval before you could start building. And all you had was a little puddle there. It's gotten that, that bad. So the regulations, as Mike pointed out, the regulations end up, they think they're trying to solve social problems. It ends up business will not expand. And that's why the economy was so stagnant under the uh, Obama administration for exactly the reasons that Mike just said. Yeah, well, yeah, yep. and absolutely. Mike, respond. Go ahead. Yeah, I know you want. No, to no, no, you're right. I'm agreeing with him. I mean, but people don't that aren't in the business world. They don't see this. In other words, they're looking at what's coming on their dinner on their dining room table at night, but they don't realize exactly. what goes into it and everything. And then they sit back dumbfounded, like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, look at this. I, I right. have a perfect example of this. Obama came in and hired a bunch of snot-nosed shithead kids to work <laughs> and to work with advisors. Oh, look at look at the one like the the one that called me up. I got a phone call from one of his advisors, Andre Gudger. 
Now, this guy was put in charge of acquisition and procurement and to promote acquisition with contracting and everything else. So I talked to the guy, and, and it was kind of interesting. My computer lit up by itself before I got the phone call. It said, and, and it said, so many minutes before your call, your conference call with Andre Gudger. Holy shit, I never saw how did my, my computer do that on its own? What the hell was I never saw anything like that. It was just like a sci fi movie, but okay. I said maybe something from the email controlled my all right, fine, whatever. So he, he got on the phone with me and um and I explained to him everything about contracting and, and what it's like and limitations and all right, fine, and how uh here in New York how I can't even tell you how many times I waited a year to get paid. At one time it was almost two years they owed me so much that I had to take a mortgage on my house to get the money to buy the food to feed my soldiers. And oh, what the God. New York State was doing, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, uh, I, they don't like me in state headquarters, I'll tell you what. I, but anyway, mm. you, if you called up there and just said, you know a contractor named Mike? Believe me. It's, but, because I'm blunt. I'm blunt now. I've learned <laughs> I, don't, I don't play games with it. There was one colonel I told him, you're nothing but a civil servant wearing an officer's uniform you don't deserve. You have no idea the baggage that comes with the uniform. You're a fucking disgrace. And the guy said, I said, you're babbling. You don't even know what to tell me. I told this asshole off. So, anyways, <laughs> Andrew got on the phone with me. I spoke with him and everything. I said, do you know Obama? You, because it said on the computer, I looked up your name, that you were appointed to this position by Obama. Well, yes, I, I do. Uh, oh, well, were you in a different, what capacity? Were you ever in contracting? No, we went to school together. <laughs> Fucking A. He, what Obama did was he didn't hire any professionals from the corporate world, anyone from the business world out there to give him any advice or a business. And yet he, Hillary, and the rest of them were saying, you didn't know that. So they were, they were surrounded right. themselves with beginners. They weren't even JV. These guys, you know, so they had no idea and they figured they could mandate and control. And they tried to turn, if you're a businessman, it was evil. So all these liberals are thinking, you know, oh, the businesses have all the money, all the money. You know, it takes how much of an investment. My insurance right now, I pay for catering insurance. In New York State, where I am, it's like $3,000 a year just for my catering insurance. Jesus. Just to get insurance. Never mind the permits and everything else. But they don't see all that. All these people don't see all that. I, you know, it's – so, yeah, I don't know. It's it, – I thought about it. I said, you know, maybe we should just move. I honestly moved it up. But I see a difference from it. Get out of the York, bro. Di- I, I thought about it. Well, that's another issue because I'm a big Second Amendment guy. I got a permit to carry concealed. Arizona is a great place, man, where I am, man. I Phoenix, carry a gun without a permit. This is the wild, wild west, buddy. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be so afraid. I don't know if I could live there. I just, I don't know. <laughs> so Republican, maybe too Republican. For you know what? You know what they're you know what they're freaking about now, and you don't hear it on the news because we went to Cape Cod on vacation, and apparently, I don't know if Trump already did it, but the National Seashore, U.S. Park Service, they're talking about taking that away. There used to be for a time. There's a huge section of Cape Cod that was protected that you couldn't build houses, you couldn't do anything, you couldn't grow, and the towns were. Handcuffed. Well, now I heard that Trump either did it or is going to do it to take that away and to open it up and let the towns control it and grow. Now, the liberals right away said, well, what about the spotted hen or something, fish, and what about this bird? And what? <laughs> so now 
there's another example. Little by little, he's neutering them. He's chopping a lot of the crap that they've done, and they've added on. Hey, I'm a politician. I was I was elected just to make regulations and laws. That's what. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. But that's what they think. So I'm glad to see a lot of it changing. I really am. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dr. Buster responds. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, uh, you know, uh, j- just to look at uh, what Mike's saying on a little bit large, larger scale, um, remember when President uh, Trump, I think I mentioned this a little bit before, but when, when he got into office, the first thing he did that he could do through executive orders um, was to get rid of a lot of those uh, needless counterproductive regulations. And since yep. that time, as I mentioned before, the economy has been growing well at over a three percent rate then when he cut taxes and that went into effect the economy now is starting to grow at over a four percent rate so all of those regulations that stifled your your growth um and even uh uh threatened your even existence uh those regulations are all going the idea trump wants to implement is to get the government out of the way of business and let business do what business does best um, it'll be good for business. It'll be good for the American workers. It'll be good for the country as a whole. And finally, we can get back to a good growth pattern and start to feel good about things instead of all this uh, regulation. And uh, because of the slow growth, everybody's uh, coming up a little short. So you start to blame the other person. It's your fault that I'm not doing well. So all of that will go away once the uh, growth really kicks in. And people like Mike would don't have to worry about facing all these needless, counterproductive, expensive, and growth-stifling well, regulations. Well, see, there's another thing that, that isn't brought up, and I brought this up to Rory the other day. I sent him all the links to it. And, and I think it's important that, that this be brought out as another thing the media doesn't talk about whatsoever. It's out there. The information's out there. This isn't any Alex Jones stuff. It's, it's fact. But there was something that was from 1966, from the Eisenhower days. It was a White House circular. And for those of you that are into, into this, or you're studying, the other gentleman that said he, he compares numbers and studies this, uh, what was your name? Uh, who, me? Bustler, Michael Bustler. Yeah. Dr. Michael, Michael Bustler. Uh, doctor, have you ever heard of the A76? What was it called, the A76? Okay. Yes. There was a, there's something called the A76 circular. It was a White House directive. That I don't think so, no. It, it, was in it, it came out, if you look it up and look at the, the origins of it, it basically says, this is where it came from, that the federal government will not compete with the private sector for goods and services. It was a heavy-duty statement uh, right there. Now, what happened yeah. is that whenever the gov- federal government was looking at whether it was buying something or especially services, they were mandated under the A76 to do a cost study. Is it cheaper for the federal government to use the private sector or the public sector? Whatever was cheapest, they were mandated to go by. Now, the politicians toyed with that over the years. They played with it because everybody has an agenda. And instead of coming, they delayed things. They dragged it out. More regulations for the A76. Well, we have to do the comparison like this. Well, how many minorities are hired under this employee? This employer, does he have... Well, was he accepted by, is he a green employer? What does he have? They overdid it. Well, Bush got involved. They were having trouble with KBR, Halliburton with contractors over in Iraq. 
it started turning a mess. Wait a minute, these meals are costing us $300 a meal. Well, yeah, but you get a contractor that's responsible for flying in lettuce and eggs every day on his own planes. And I mean, what do you think they're going to charge you for doing that? Okay, but they're, uh, so it goes hand in hand. They're fighting and fighting. They were talking about doing away the A-76. In comes Obama. Now, Obama wanted to create a bigger government. We all know that. Right. So here's a perfect way of getting rid of the contractors because the contractors are evil. We all know that they're out to make a buck. So KBR oh, yeah. and Halliburton, oh, my, oh my God, these, we can take advantage of this. He went to Schumer. Well, before he went to Schumer, what they started doing was they started converting contractors Obama immediately converting contractors into federal employees. They'd go to the contractors, even in IT contractors, whatever, and say, how would you like to come into work Monday and you're going to be a federal employee? Now, we realize you're not going to make as much right away because, you know, the contractor, you're making good money over there. But we can offer you health benefits, retirement. We can offer you a vacation. We can offer – and the employees looked at this and said, whoa, this is guaranteed work here. Okay, I'll be a federal employee. Now, they started stealing from the private sectors, and the companies, the big companies, went back to the federal government and said, whoa, you're poaching our employees. That was the term that was used. Now, the attorneys went back to Obama. They said, under the A-76, this is illegal. They're right. They have the right to sue for this. We can't do this anymore. So Obama said, oh, really? Okay, we're going to do away with the A-76. Hey, Schumer, <laughs> yeah. We want you to, okay, fine. They suspended all A-76 studies. They suspended them for the entire uh, administration. And right now, today, that is still in effect. All A76 cost studies, which benefit us, the taxpayers, all of them have been suspended. Now, Trump's talking about bringing them back. This stuff on the Internet, I sent Rory the link. They're talking about finally bringing the A76 back in where people have to be held accountable for what's cheaper. But during Obama's administration, they didn't care what was cheaper. They wanted more federal employees which feeds more money into the federal unions, which makes more employees yep. available for democratic things, for money from the unions. For they had their, they, it was going great until everything collapsed. Then I started getting work again. For a while there, we were out of work. The government told me to my face, we can do it for half or less than half of your price, and we can do a better job. Bullshit. There's no way they can. They won't work and stay huh. up all night. I will. Because it's my business. My name is on. And if I don't perform, I'm only as good as my last meal. Right. And the government, they Absolutely. don't care about that. Yeah, real real quick, no. Mike, Dr. Bustler, I want you to respond. We have a few minutes left in the show, so I'm going to leave you on, right. Dr. Bustler. So real quick, though, I know Josh wants to uh, react to this. So, Josh, go ahead. Yeah, let Josh go. Yeah, you know, um, just to say something about what, what uh, Mike from New York said um, right at the beginning. Yeah, Mike, kind of Mike that, Peters. That fantastic Mike rant Peters. he went on. Peters, gotcha. Mike, I, I love when you come on, by the way. So, you know, make it a little bit more regular if you can because I love Actually, it. Actually, hey, um, Josh, Josh, this is his first time on the show, surprisingly. He may sound familiar, but he his first time, first time actually – Talking actively on the show, he's listened well, in. No, before, I've, but... I've, I've, I spoke. Uh, I spoke before. I've spoken before, but not not this much. I, I'm sorry. I'm a little winded. A little. No, it's great. Sorry about that. No, okay, so, it, so 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 yeah. He, okay, so he spoke. Uh, yeah, this is like yeah, kind he, of. The... He, I recognize his voice. I, I I can never replace that that New York voice. So, um, <laughs> but just to, just to talk about something you said. 
uh, earlier about, you know, these, these young people that you try to hire. And, you know, when you ask them to basically, you know, do a little bit of extra work because that's what the job calls for, you know, they're all, they're all concerned because you're interfering with their beautiful little lives and plans that they have set up. And, you know, I, I think one of the reasons that that is is so I'm personally, I'm 20 years old, so I would be considered in this, these idiot young people that aren't doing work, but I'm homeschooled. So, you know, in my schooling, I had different standards. Standards were you worked, we worked for our schoolwork until we got the job done. And when we were finished with that, we went and did stuff around the house and around our farm that needed done. You know, these, a lot of these kids, even within, even within the rural areas of the country, in schools specifically, what they do is they have to meet quotas, so to speak. They have to fill out grade, they have to get a certain amount of grades through a certain amount of tests. And that's all they have to do. There's no extracurricular. There's no nothing like that. So when they're thrown into a situation, and especially with someone like you, who I'm, I'm just going to take a, a random guess here and say that I bet you that there were multiple days in a row where you didn't sleep because you were working, and because that's what the job called for. For all I After know, 9/11, you, yes. seem like the guy, 9/11, yes. you seem like the guy yep. that would have worked a week without sleeping, you know, because that's what the job called for. These these kids my age don't understand that, and even me to an extent, I don't understand it. But I, you know, at least I'm a little bit more self aware of it. The, you know, it's almost impossible to hire anybody my age because we don't even understand what actually working hard even entails anymore. Yeah, and Josh, Josh, you made a good point. Real quick, Mike Peters, I want to interfere. I know you want to respond. We do have a few minutes left. Josh, you absolutely do make a great point. I mean, I'm 27 yep. years old, and I have people my age that believe in socialism and all this communism bullshit. And I'm just thinking to myself, how are these people so fucking stupid? I mean, they're basically going off of Hitler's beliefs. They're basically going off of everything that communism stands for, all of the uh, angry uh, people that have rule. You know, this is in a, no different than North Korea. But, um, Dr. Busta, please respond. Uh, look, ev- everything everybody's saying is, uh, is, is accurate and, and true. And fortunately, uh, we did elect President Trump. Uh, he is going to come in and start to change a lot of things. He's changed the regulations. He's changed the tax code. Uh, he's changing as uh, mike mentioned he's changing the way the government does business um you know people are worried about well uh you know trump's doing all this stuff what about the deficit in the budget um when's he going to take a look at at that issue well the thing is um he first wanted to straighten out the tax issue which he has um he did agree to a big spending bill last year but he said never again will i do this so I think the next the thing he's going to start to tackle is, is right? spending. Yeah. Um, so the next thing he'll uh, start attacking probably after the midterm elections, although we've got a budget that we've got to work with by September, uh, he's going to start bringing the uh, spending down too um, and, and work on the deficit. So all of the problems that we've seen over the last uh, administration, the last eight years, uh, that has really taken the country in the wrong, wrong direction, has stagnated um, a lot of the country. And I think uh, that's starting to put some of the uh, entitlement views that the younger people have. Um, I think 
the problems we've had in, in the past have brought on a lot of those views. Fortunately, I'm optimistic that Trump is going to be able to uh, change a lot of these things and bring it back to what um, did truly make America great. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Butler, absolutely well, absolutely well Amen. said. Uh, any, yep. Anybody wants to respond? We are on a time limit, but somebody has to, anybody wants 30 seconds with Dr. Butler, go ahead. And I want him to promote his stuff as well. Anybody have any thoughts, any questions? No, doctor, take it away. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, shoot, if if nobody else has to talk, I could, I could ask another question. I mean, shoot. Yeah, go um, ahead, Josh. You know, I'll you. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, you know, real quick, Michael, and I guess this leads to the, the thing I was kind of just talking about with the education system. How do we yeah. work in this idea of the importance of, the the free a free market free and fair market economy into our school systems where the the quote unquote indoctrination to the to the good side that we perceive as the good side instead of the indoctrination to the socialism BS how do we kind of flip the table so to speak yeah that's going to be a very difficult thing to do because the the other side is pretty much uh, entrenched in the uh, educational system but um you know there are those of us yeah there there are those of us um i know when when whenever any of these issues come up in, in my class and my students are very liberal i remember during 2016 90 percent of them strongly supported bernie sanders um, oh jesus but whenever, oh, excuse my language you my yeah. french <laughs> whenever whenever any of these issues uh came up and the students were very um enthusiastic about their positions um, oh I said, look, let, uh, let, let's consider, let me just present both sides of, of an argument. Here's your side. Here's what the other side uh, says. What you're supposed to be learning in college uh, is critical thinking skills. So here's what they say. Here's what the other side says. Now you figure out what really makes the most sense to, to you. And I think if both sides are presented to them uh, objectively and without any kind of bias, um, I think they start to they start to come around. Um, you, you know, I, I, uh, one of my classes I talked about how many people are in favor of raising the minimum wage. Well, ninety percent of the class was in favor of it. So I gave them the, the argument and showed them how raising the minimum wage uh, contributes to unemployment. Right, it can, contributes to unemployment, and because of the minimum wage, teenage unemployment has always been three or four times higher than than the average. I always say, look, it's far better to have everybody working who's looking for a job at a little lower wage than to stick the wage at some artificially high level and have 20% of the workforce, uh, the teenage workforce, constantly unemployed. So when you give them both sides of the argument, and I think as educators – um, I'm not sure how this is going to happen, but as educators, uh, we've got to be more objective and let the students figure it out for them, them themselves. I tell the, the other professors, um, when we're trying to debate something, and debate is very important in a democracy, you have to have healthy debate or the democracy is not going to work. So it, it is important. But when you go into debate, you go in with the idea that you want to seek a solution, rather than going in with the idea today of trying to sell a position. And that's what's wrong today. Each side 
to a problem doesn't try to look for a solution. They try to right. sell their position, and that that right. mentality has got to change. Right. We are we are unfortunate. We are unfortunately out of time. Uh, Dr. Butler, we could talk to you all day. We'll get you back on the show next week. We have a lot more to discuss. Yep. It's always a pleasure having you. Uh, please tell the audience, uh, I, I definitely want you to promote yourself where they can find you, all your uh, information. Okay. Um, all, all my columns can be found. I have a Facebook page. Uh, it's called Funding Democracy, the Economics of Freedom. So if you just go to Facebook, dot dot com forward slash funding democracy uh you'll see all my column last three four hundred columns okay and i'm gonna, I'm gonna get you we're gonna get you back on next week uh we have a lot more Alrighty. to talk about uh always a pleasure uh, uh dr Buster. yes it uh, thank certainly you. is all right and i appreciate your Take time care. god bless and doctor I'm doctor i'm i'm sending you i'm sending you a facebook message right now and i just liked your page and i just put thanks so you know it's me and if you look Thank you, Mike. Pages, I appreciate that. Pictures, you look through the pictures, you'll see us, our adventure feeding soldiers. And, I mean, I'm proud of it. I th- business-wise, it was a stupid decision in my heart. I think it was the right decision. There's nothing better than getting a phone call from guys that are on duty in Iraq or Afghanistan. But they never forget that they appreciate That's what made me, not because of the government. See, that's, the government. that's very important, Taking Mike. That's very important. I think, I think it was the right move, you know. Um, yeah. I, 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 but I lost... All the eight years because of Obama, as far as for my retirement, I'm going to have to keep working. So, oh, well, well, uh, you know. Well said, Mike, and uh, I appreciate you being on the show, too, as well, Mike, the other Mike. And uh, Dr. Buffler, we'll have you on next week. Always a pleasure. God bless you. All right. Take care, everybody. Take care. All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I want to, I want to thank everyone. Um, I want, uh, obviously Josh, promote yourself, your, in, your Instagram, your social media, wherever anybody can find you, go ahead. Yeah, just, you know, y'all, if you uh, are interested, give me a follow on Instagram at J O S H H L A V is in Victor A T Y. And, uh, that's just my name. So you can also look me up on Facebook if you so desire. And Valerie Greenfeld, go ahead. <laughs> Thanks, Rory. Um, So you can find my book on Amazon.com. It's Backyard Jihad. And you can also find me on my blog at BackyardJihad.com. Excellent. And you can always visit me at RorySutter.tv. Again, that's RorySutter.tv. Uh, please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com. Again, that's TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com. Um, you can also visit GetYourAppBuilt.com. Again, that's GetYourAppBuilt.com. Um, I do want to say a big announcement, and this is huge. Uh, the Next Gen USA, the big media empire that I put lots of money into, that has the same technology capabilities and functionalities as Fox News or InfoWars or any other uh, news outlet, uh, is going to be done this weekend. And it's going to be ready to rock and roll by our next show on Tuesday. So we will be broadcasting from the Next Gen USA site. We will uh, be having our own system. Uh, we have our own columns. Uh, we have a lot of great plans for uh, all our contributors. This is this is a really exciting, uh, promising, optimistic feature that I I can't wait to share with all of my audience and and all of my you know my co-hosts and 
you know, my spot the sponsors. I mean, this is a great uh, uh, move forward. So, uh, and you know, it's uh, been a long time coming. You know, I I build technology for a living, so I've been building this, and now it looks perfect, and now it's up to par. So we're ready to rock and roll. Uh, so I want to say thank you to all my special guests, thank you to all my co-hosts, thank you to my thank you to my sponsors. We're now in 14 countries, everybody. People can download our radio show and listen. So this is unbelievable. Um, I hope you all have an excellent weekend. Uh, we will be back here on Tuesday. Um, and I can't wait to uh, be back with you all and hear from you all. And uh, our uh, news source will be 24-7. So uh, it's uh, going to be something that will be evolving. And eventually our show uh, we'll be uh, seven days a week, and we'll be doing a lot of different things. So um, God bless everybody. Congratulations. Uh, and uh, thank you. Thank you. And uh, we will talk to everyone uh, soon. And, uh, again, have a great weekend. And, uh, you know, uh, take care and uh, hope all is well. Uh, cheers. Cheers.